Well, I don't know about you all, but I have certainly felt the fire of the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. Amen. Today we are in the final of our six-week sermon series called Building for the Future, a study of the book of Nehemiah. If you've been with us along the way, you'll know that we began this journey with the person called Nehemiah who felt called to go and to rebuild the walls of his ancestral land in Jerusalem. We've seen over the last few weeks what it means for Nehemiah to assess the damage of the wall, to share what he's observed with the people of Jerusalem, and to call them to a vision, a God-sized vision for them to rebuild that wall and secure their land. In addition to that, we've talked about the opposition that comes whenever we are focused on moving towards God's vision for us. And then also that we cannot do it alone, that it really takes all of us working together to achieve that God-sized vision. Well, today we're going to take a look at what it means when God has completed that vision in this, uh, completed the wall, the building of the wall in Nehemiah. So let's hear from the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16 from the Message Version. The wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul, which is the month, the 25th day of the month. It had taken 52 days. When all our enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve. They knew that God was behind this work. We are thankful for God's holy word today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, the one who poured out the fire on the, in the flames of Pentecost on those first disciples, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and in spite of me, a word that might help us focus on the vision that you have for us, knowing that it is only through you that what is impossible can be made possible. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, friends, tomorrow is a very special day in my life. Tomorrow is mine and Justin's seventh wedding anniversary. Seven years. We've been together for ten. I know some of you have heard our love story, but for those of you that haven't, I wanted to give you the the condensed version. I remember it was in 2011, the spring of that year. I was 31 years old and um, went to a friend's wedding down in Alabama. And I was sitting next to this girl, this pretty young girl, who was making eyes at a guy in the wedding party, right? So I looked over at her and I said, do you know him? And she said, yeah, you know, we're, we're newly dating. And I said, well, how did you meet? And she said, well, you know, it's kind of an f- embarrassing but funny story, um, you know, there's these dating websites, and I found this one called Christian Cafe, and, you know, I wasn't expecting anything, but I met this guy, we connected, and man, I'm just so excited for what God has in store for us. Now, to be honest with y'all, as a 31-year-old female preacher, I had tried the dating sites because I wasn't having much luck (laughs) on a normal basis, and I had some pretty poor experiences, right? So I had turned myself off. I was like, I'm done with those. But this girl, she just had this look in her eye, and I thought, I'll just give it one more try. So I went home that weekend, and I created my profile on ChristianCafe.com. It was real fancy, y'all. Put my picture up, and I began to wait in my three free days of trial period. 
Little did I know, sitting in North Carolina, that on the other end of a computer screen, on the other end of the internet, there was a man named Justin in Alabama, in the city of Auburn, who was getting these annoying emails about Christian Cafe. Because he'd tried it before, and he wasn't really, he was kind of taking a break from dating. And he said, you know, I'm just tired of these emails. I'm going to get on there, and I'm going to shut my account down. I'm done with it. And then they said, come back for three free days. <laughs> and I guess his interest peaked, and so he started searching around at some of these profiles. And y'all, he recognized me from middle school and high school. Come to find out, we had been in the same grade together in the tiny town of Kingsport, Tennessee. And to be honest, I didn't recognize him uh, at the time. He looked a lot different. He likes to say that back in the day when I was, we were in high school together that I was just too cool for him. And I remind him that he was afraid of girls. And also that, you know, he was a little bit nerdy. We laugh about that now because we know that, that God had a really incredible plan that he would bring us together, you know, hours and hours apart through the, the beauty of the Internet to be able to connect. Well, it didn't take long for us to exchange phone numbers and emails, and I have to say I let my three free days expire, and I never looked back. <laughs> We began a relationship long distance. It was a friendship at first. And so for months, we began to talk and to pray. Um, you know, we wanted to know what God wanted for us. And after a few months, we decided, you know what, we're going to be all in on this, and we're going to make the commitment. And so we committed to seeing each other once a month. He was in Auburn, Alabama. I was in North Carolina in um, Chapel Hill. So it was a nine-hour drive. It was a huge commitment. We also talked on the phone together every night. Well, you know, after about a year of dating, we started talking about the future in real terms. What was God calling us to do? And we decided that God was calling us to be married. And so Justin began looking for a job near me because I was really happy in my work. But unfortunately, every single door that opened closed. Every single path was a dead end. And so after a year of doing that, we decided, well, let's just take the next step. We'll start looking at engagement rings. We ended up finding a jeweler that could make the, the, what, the ring of my dreams, and they set to work on it. And I thought, surely by the time my ring is ready, God will have opened up a way for us to be together. After all, God was clearly calling us to be married. God had set that vision before us. Well, the ring was ready, and after a couple more months of waiting, Justin proposed, and I said yes. And we decided, you know what? We're just going to go for it. We're just going to go ahead and set the date. I know we're, you know, not 11 hours apart, and we have no job prospects in the same place, but we feel called to be married. And so we began our nine months of planning for our wedding. I kept thinking, okay, God, it's time, you know. October came, November came, Christmas came, and I thought, Lord, open up the doors. We know that you're called us to be together. Finally, my wedding planning app told me that I had less than 100 days until our wedding. And if you've been a bride before, you know that that's when it gets real. And you start to panic, and I thought, how am I going to marry this man, and I'm not even going to be able to live with him? And so we went on about our business, and... <laughs> Literally, y'all, three months before our wedding, just three months before our wedding, we got phone calls on the same day within a couple of hours of each other. 
that we both had jobs in our hometown of Kingsport, Tennessee. Only God, only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. And on May 24th of 2014, we stood in the church that I was to be appointed in July 1st and were married. And let me tell you, only God could have sustained us during this wild ride of marriage. Seven years, and we know that only God could have done it. I wonder... Have you ever witnessed or experienced something that you have to say, only God could have done that? Only God could have done it. This thing that we thought was impossible was made possible only through the power of God at work. Something that maybe stopped you in your tracks and made you think, there's no other explanation. Only God could do this. Well, today, brothers and sisters, we are in the midst of one of those only God moments as we look closer at our brother Nehemiah, who had a God-sized vision for the people of Jerusalem to rebuild a wall. And today, I think there is a lot that we can learn from Nehemiah's experience of moving towards building for the future with the people of Jerusalem. The first thing that we can learn is that building for the future takes focus. If you were with us on week two of this series, you will remember that we talked about Nehemiah's first few days in Jerusalem. He walked the perimeter of Jerusalem, and he assessed the damage in the wall. He took note of it, and then the next day, he met with the people. He arrived with that God-sized vision for rebuilding the wall, and he shared that with the people along with the reality of the work that they had ahead of them. This was not going to be an easy task for them. It would take time, it would take resources, it would take strength, but most importantly, it would take focus to achieve that vision. Not only was that work hard, but Nehemiah experienced all kinds of efforts to sabotage and to put him off of this God-sized vision. Just earlier in the chapter that we're reading right now, we see that Nehemiah received letters from people, adversaries trying to keep him from achieving this vision and discredit him. They went as far as to, to share physical threats against him. They tried to discredit him and put him in political charges and threats against him. But Nehemiah never lost focus of the God-sized vision that he'd been given. Just a few weeks ago, some of the staff and I began a study of this book called Dream Big by Bob Goff. Anybody a Bob Goff fan? Uh, if you've never read this book, I encourage you to pick it up. Um, it's great. It's a way, it's, it's all about knowing what you want, why you want it, and what you're going to do about it. And he talks a lot about what it means to dream big. And I thought about this, and I realized that something that he said in here was so relevant to Nehemiah's experience. Bob says, keep your eye on the ball. Darkness, a.k.a. the enemy, doesn't need to destroy us. It only needs to distract us. It only needs to distract us. It doesn't have to destroy us. That is a profound realization whenever you're pursuing a God-sized vision. 
Nehemiah, we see, kept his eye on the ball. He didn't let the things around him keep his mind from the mission. He moved towards it because he knew that God was at work. And what happened because of that focus? We see that not only were they able to rebuild the wall, but they did it in record time. Something that had taken years to destroy was rebuilt in less than two months. And that, my friends, caused people to take a second look. It reminded us that when God is behind the work, people notice. When God is behind the work and God is doing something big, people notice that. It's undeniable that God is at work. We read in verse 15 today that when all their enemies heard the news and all surrounding nations saw it, they totally not lost their nerve. When those adversaries, when those people who had tried to pin and hem Nehemiah in saw this, they knew that only God could have accomplished this work. And in that moment, I imagine that when they received that letter that the wall was complete, I imagine that their jaws dropped to the floor. (laughs) There's no way that this could have happened. Nehemiah came and he's rebuilt the wall in less than two months. Not only had that God-sized vision been accomplished, it had been done in a remarkable way. God had made the impossible possible. It wasn't just about rebuilding a wall, was it? It was about rebuilding this people of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah knew this third thing I want you to remember, that with God's help, anything is possible. With God's help, anything is possible, brothers and sisters. Whatever God-sized vision has been planted in your heart, it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, just six months before the completion of this wall in Jerusalem, we first hear about Nehemiah coming on the scene in the Persian courts. He was arguing for his ancestral land, a place he'd never been before but had heard about. And there he was commissioned to go and to rebuild this wall, and it only took six months from commissioning to completion. With God, all things are possible. You know, Nehemiah didn't build the wall by himself. In fact, he had empowered and equipped the people to do it. And instead of pushing back on this outsider who came in and told them all that was wrong with the wall, they embraced Nehemiah because they knew that God was at work. You know, it isn't unusual for God to show up and to show out when it involves his beloved children. It is not unusual for that to happen. None of us is worthy of God's love and forgiveness. And yet, and yet, God meets us where we are and draws us closer to him and invites us to be a part of God's kingdom. You know, left to our own devices, it would be impossible to accomplish the God-sized vision before us as OUMC and as individuals, individual people of God. When I think about what God can do, I'm reminded of the Gospel of Luke whenever Jesus is talking about how impossible and hard it is for people to get into the kingdom of heaven. He says to the disciples that it is, it is um, harder, it is easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle 
than it is for a wealthy person to come into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples think, oh my gosh, that's an impossible thing. How can that be done? How can anybody enter the kingdom of God? And what Jesus says to them is profound, and it speaks to us today. And he says, with human hands, it's impossible. But with God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Brothers and sisters, the good news that we have in our hearts today is that we know that God took on the impossible to make a way for us today. That over 2,000 years ago, that the gospel of Jesus Christ began to spread not just throughout Jerusalem, but beyond the walls of the city and beyond the perimeter of the land and beyond the sea that was before them and to the place that we are today here in Ottawa, Tennessee. What was impossible with human hands was made possible through God. You know, that God-sized vision was first articulated to the disciples in Matthew 28. When Jesus, who had resurrected from the dead and was about to ascend into heaven, tells the disciples, these men and women who had followed him fearlessly for the past three years, he says to them, Now, while I'm gone, I want you to go out to the ends of the earth and make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what these people must have felt? They'd never left this community. They'd never left the borders of their nation. And Jesus was calling them to be responsible for sharing his good news with the ends of the earth. Only God. Only God could pull that off. And we see today through the power of Pentecost that the way that God began the church, the way that that movement started, was through the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon these disciples, these very regular, ordinary people, and all of a sudden made them bilingual evangelists to people around them. And because of that Holy Spirit falling on them, the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. And continues to be shared today. Only God can do that, brothers and sisters. Only God. You know, I don't know what the God-sized vision is that God is calling you to individually. I know that for us at OUMC, we're starting to see that become a picture, a more clear picture for us. And I can't say what six months is going to look like, but I can tell you that if we continue to focus, that God will continue to be with us as we build for the future. And that once we begin to do those things, people will look on and they'll say, that has to be something that God is doing in that place. And they'll be able to join in on this mission because they know that with God, anything is possible. That's what people need to hear today, that with God, anything is possible, that the things that you're dealing with, the struggles that you're facing, the mission that you're called to, that whatever it is that God is going to be with you in that, and only God will be able to get you to that place of realizing that vision. And so my prayer for you, my prayer for you is that you would begin to take the next faithful step toward realizing that vision that God has for you. Whatever that is, you may not know the end result, but you know the next step forward. 
that you would boldly go into that knowing that God is going to show up in a powerful way to help carry out that vision in your life. What is that next faithful step for you? What is that next faithful step for us as a church? We may not know the end result, but we know that God is at work. Amen? God is creating and drawing us up into a God-sized vision for our community and for this world. Thanks be to God that we get to be a part of that work. Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving and spirit-giving God, we are so thankful that over 2,000 years ago, more than 6,000 miles away, that you poured out your Holy Spirit in tongues of fire on the disciples. And we're thankful that that pouring out didn't end in that place, but it continues to pour out over us day after day after day as we are faithful followers of Jesus. Only you can do what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, we pray that as we move forward in the next faithful step for what you have for us, that we would be bold in our God-sized vision, that we would be able to articulate it and to pursue it in a way that others see you through us. Lord, help us. So we move forward in your Pentecostal power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to do what others claim cannot be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.